This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. I'm Deborah Fitzgerald, and today I'm talking with Captain Dale Strohshine, who operates Wacky Walleye Guide Service out of Sand Bay Beach Resort and Suites. Thanks for joining us, Dale. It's my pleasure, Deborah. So we're talking today um, after yesterday, which was which was a pretty dramatic day in terms of an ice rescue. Sixty-six people were rescued um, off of three separate ice flows, off of Sherwood Point and Nassawapi. Little Harbor in Sevastopol, and then off Sand Bay and Gardner, right outside your back door, right? Correct. Yeah, uh, we had uh, we had a number of the fire rescue people here, right at the resort, and uh, along with other, like you said, access points here to the Bay of Green Bay, and uh, it was uh, it was quite the day, I will say that. The saga continues into 2021. <laughs> so, so describe the conditions. Now, this was right before um, a big winter storm was supposed to blow in, but we started off with temperatures that were about 35 degrees and a south wind coming from offshore. So can you talk a little bit about the conditions that, that led to this? Well, the, the reason for this happening, number one, is that, you know, we've had much warmer winters uh, over the last 10, 12 years, 15 years, whatever it might be in comparison to when I started guiding here, you know, um, almost four decades ago. Huh. You know, I, as, as I talked to you earlier, Deborah, you know, we had mentioned that, you know, ice averages back when I started was, you know, somewhere in that 30-inch range. And currently today, I would say ice averages are somewhere around 10 inches, hmm. maybe a little bit more. So it's been a pretty significant change with weather weather patterns uh, leading to thinner ice conditions. And more importantly, Deborah, the bay not freezing from Little Bay to Knock, Michigan, all the way back to the mouth of the Fox River in Green Bay, hmm. which is about 120 miles long, uh, by the way, the crow flies, you know, that used to freeze uh, all my years of guiding from north to south hmm. and east to west. Now what we're experiencing with these milder falls and the milder winters, um, we're, we're experiencing, unfortunately, where the bay is not freezing all the way to the north. And uh, with that, with these south winds yesterday, that's exactly why this happened, is because around Egg Harbor north, there was no ice. So with these south winds and the crack that we have every year, just so the, the listener under, understands, Every year, this crack will run from the lower Bay of Green Bay all the way north, um, up past the tip of the Door Peninsula, and it, it happens to be in the same spot every year because if you look along a shoreline, like down by Green Bay, you've got points and cups. Hmm. And then if you look around our area here in our in the Sturgeon Bay area, you've got a number of bays. So you have Little Sturgeon to the west, as you move kind of to the east, then you have Riley's Bay and then Sand Bay. And then as you go up the, up the peninsula, you've got different cups with points. And then you have Egg Harbor, Fish Creek, uh, Ephraim, you know, Allison Bay or whatever as you go up. So you have these bays. But my point is this, Deborah, in those cups or in the bays, what ends up happening is that ice will form first. Mm-hmm. 
And because of this, the ISO passed that offshore form second. So what you get is you get thicker ice inside those bays or in those cups all the way from going south down there by the Bay of Green Bay, going all the way up past the Door Peninsula, tip of the Door Peninsula by Death's Door. Those cups in those bays will freeze in first, making thick ice. Mm -hmm. And then as the ice forms, it's thinner out there. So it creates this fault line, creating that crack that happens every single year. Okay. It's been there all the years that I've been guiding. And with those south winds that we had yesterday, what ended up happening was where that crack was, and especially because, like you had mentioned, air temperatures yesterday were warmer, so that crack is going to weep. So water was running down into that crack, not making it uh, a secure crack. And so, therefore, when that wind started blowing, it started moving the ice off out away from the uh, existing ice inside the crack uh, back to the uh, south or east. And then um, something I've never seen mm. yesterday was not only did we have the crack running north-south from the wind, but because of the strong currents that we've got on the bay, which has nothing to do with winds, it just has to do with the swing of the barometer, will create currents. We had, must have had a super strong current, which then, because the bay was open to the north yet, it moved a huge section uh, and started the current started pushing it to the north and uh, opening up, running towards O'Connell or Pestigo Shoal. And that opened up, I bet you, a mile wide where the crack from the wind opened up maybe a thousand yards. So hmm. it was something pretty spectacular yesterday to see. And like I said earlier, you know, Mother Nature is always going to win. Sure. So you have to respect you have to respect the bay. And so that that was basically one sheet west of that crack, but it was the currents that actually separated the ice into right. three separate can, sheets. Yeah, if you can kind of envision a letter T. Mm-hmm. is what it looked like. So you had a crack running north, a crack running south. That was created by the wind. And then that the bottom of the, the tail of the T, if you will, that ran west towards uh, Pestigo Shoal, that was created by the current. Okay. Now, and a lot of this all stems from just us having milder winters. And about how far out does that crack normally form? Um, uh, right now, that crack's out there about a mile and three quarters uh, out from I would say Sand Bay, where I'm located. And every year, just so the the listener understands, like every year when we set up, um, the one thing that I do is until the bay freezes tight, I do not proceed outside that crack because safety Mm. as a guide has always got to be number one. And I know as long as I'm inside that crack, um, I'm going to be much safer than I would be at, at being outside that crack. And so this year so far, have you been inside the crack? Most of the... Yeah, and, and basically that's all I've been doing for the last number of years is staying inside that crack because, again, we've been just having such mild winters and uh, it's, it's just not making good ice. You know, it's not been making that thick of ice and it's not been freezing the bay from north to south. And is it happening later also, much later in the season? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. describe... This is your- the latest... This is the latest start we've ever had, Deborah. I mean, in all my years of guiding huh. here on the Bay of Green Bay, this is the latest start we've ever had. So when um, when did you, know, you start? Was it a couple of weeks ago? Was it maybe only about three weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, maybe just uh, we didn't even get a weekend. Huh. <laughs> we've been we've been running about a week. 
Wow. Now you've canceled your Whitefish Weekend that was supposed to be happening this weekend, right? Can you talk a little bit about your operation and that part of it as well? Well, you know, we've been doing this a long time and, and um, I, I'm not one to ever just, you know, toot my own horn, but, you know, when, when you do it as long and, and you're as passionate about uh, as I've been over the years, you know, good things come your way. I mean, give me an example. I was inducted into the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame in uh, 2014. Hmm. And, Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. And, you know, I mean, a lot of that just comes from, you know, paying close attention to detail. That's who I am. You know, I'm very anal, and, um, and and I carry that into ice safety because I've been doing this long enough, Deborah, to understand that when fire and rescue gets called, unfortunately, or sadly enough to say, many of times what I've witnessed in all of my years of being here, when that happens, unfortunately, it's just a recovery. Mm. So uh, my point with that being said is, you have to respect the ice and uh, because, you know, you're dealing with cold waters. You're dealing with a lot of uh, things that normally we as human beings can't tolerate very well. Yeah. And, uh, and since you, you mentioned you, that, Dale, not, not to interrupt, but since you mentioned that, um, the, the ice rescue might not be the most t- typical of occurrences that happen out on the ice. What types of things um, generally happen? What what types of accidents generally happen when ice fishing? Well, you know, the, the biggest one, Deborah, and, I'm, and thank you for bringing that up, by the way, because this is really important. Um, this is one of the things where experience and knowledge and wisdom only comes with years of being on the ice. But here's what happens the majority of the time, and it's unfortunate because this is many of these incidents or accidents and unfortunately, some of them have cost people's lives, which I've, which I've been involved with and I've watched hmm. uh, or, or helped in, um, is because people just take for granted that ice is always the same everywhere you go. Hmm. You have to understand this. Things that people have to stay away from are, um, for example, lagoons, where you have a, a lagoon that goes back into the land you've got a little cut channel that goes into the land and you've got what we refer to as a lagoon. Those are dangerous areas. Those are current areas. Hmm. And uh, that's an area that somebody wants to stay away from. Uh, Snake Island in Sand Bay Point, you've got a, a end of a peninsula and then you've got an island and you've got a narrow area which creates a current area. Again, another area that's very dangerous to navigate through. Hmm. Um, and the other thing where people make big mistakes is not understanding that when you navigate, like our machines, Deborah, all of our machines that we use to transport our people, mm-hmm. uh, which are tracker off-road UTVs, mm-hmm. which seat six people, we have GPSs inside them. And the reason we put a GPS in is for whiteout conditions, number one. Mm-hmm. So if you get out there and something happens where we get a whiteout, like here just a year ago, I think it was, where we had a whiteout condition where 55 people were rescued off the ice. Mm-hmm. Um what happens up happening is because you don't have a GPS, you can't find your way back. And uh, so you've got to have a GPS in there for that. But more importantly, the reason we've got GPS in there, Deborah, is because when you have a shoal on the Bay of Green Bay where you have a reef or a shoal or a point sticking out, mm-hmm. just so the listener understands what happens there is on the Bay of Green Bay, we have very, very strong currents. These currents will get up to five, six miles an hour. Hmm. And what ends up happening is when they start rolling along and they hit a shoal, it gets pushed up 
when the current hits the bottom because of the change in the, the bottom. Mm-hmm. And when it gets pushed up, all that water gets condensed underneath that shoal and it starts shaking and eroding the ice from the bottom. Hmm. And uh, so it'll thin, it'll, it'll thin the ice from the bottom. And what ends up happening is, so why we've got GPS in there is when we run a track and we're taking our customers to and from the shelters, mm-hmm. we stay away from any shoals because those are areas where you're going to go through at some point. And you could go through in January. Hmm. You can go through in February. And, um, and it's not something you like, could see. It's not necessarily something you could see because it's, it's deteriorating from the bottom up. Correct. Okay. Correct. So this is why it's so important to have, you know, like a GPS, because what we'll do is we'll put a chip in there. And what a chip is, it gives you the topography of the bottom. So it shows me all the reefs, all the deep water. Hmm. So for the listener, please, when you're traveling to and from an ice uh, fishing location, Watch your GPS, keep yourself in deep water because that is going to be always your safest route. Stay away from the shoal. Okay. Um, and then another thing to remember too is when you're crossing cracks, Deborah, when we get cracks like out on the bay, mm-hmm. people will cross. You should always stop and get out because what ends up happening with these thinner ice conditions that we're having now, you got to understand when a UTV or uh, an ATV or a truck goes across a crack, as the crack widens, say it gets about eight inches wide, it puts a lot of pressure on that leading edge when the tire hits it. And this is what happens. We call it kegging out. So envision a, envision a puzzle hmm. that you buy at the store and you bring home and you put together. When you put together a puzzle, you have all these pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is you take one of these pieces of your puzzle and you can very easily move it up and down in there because what ends up happening is what we call kegging out. And what'll happen is we'll break a piece of ice off on the other side. And as we drive across, it's kind of like a revolving door in the old movies. Mm. Remember the old movies would be sitting there and we're watching the old movie and the guy leans up against the bookshelf and all of a sudden he disappears into another room and his buddy's (laughs) talking to himself. Well, that's kind of what kegging out is. It's like a revolving door. It's like a puzzle piece that you can float up and down inside the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And this is why people drop through in cracks as well, because they don't get out and check the ice because it kegs out and you get basically, like I said, this piece of ice floating up and down. And when the vehicle comes across, the front of the vehicle drops in, or worse yet, the entire vehicle drops through. And uh, it's because the ice kegs out on these cracks. Okay. So there's a lot of ice safety that if some of the people would just take their due diligence and pay attention to this stuff. Uh, some of this stuff wouldn't happen. Okay. We could, we could, you know, get away from some of these incidents. So stay away from the shoals and also be sure to check the cracks before you actually go out into deeper waters where those. High, yeah. And high current areas. So okay. you've got a point. Um, and then like late ice, mm-hmm. you got to remember one thing in late ice as we move into March, mm-hmm. as the day gets longer, the sun's up longer. These late, these these shoals are going to be much more dangerous, and uh, because as you and something to always remember too is as you get water sitting on the ice in the, in the late ice, uh, when water actually we get rain, we get the ice melting from the top. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what, it, what can end up happening is, this is what we refer to as honeycombing. If you go out one day and all of a sudden all the water on the top is gone, mm-hmm. what's happened is the water's run through the ice mm. and kind of envision a bunch of icicles stuck together mm-hmm. is what makes the ice. This is what we refer to as honeycombing. Okay. And so when somebody goes out in the morning and the water and the air temperature was 20 overnight, those icicles are all nice and firm as we move into March. So you can drive out in the morning on an ATV or UTV, and then as the day is so long as we move into March because our days get longer, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is that water runs through and loosens up, and now that same path that you went out on in the morning, mm-hmm. you'll come back and you'll drop right through because the ice is honeycombed. Okay. So what is the allure of going out deeper? What, what kind of fish are you angling for out there versus, you know, say, in the bays? Well, you know, the one thing is when you move out deeper, you don't have to move out deeper just so the listener understands that. Okay. But what they're targeting is whitefish. Okay. Whitefish like deep water, um, but they'll also move up into the shallow water because a lot of times, just so you understand why they move deep is because it's safety in numbers. They can go out there and get away from predators. Hmm. A lot of the fish swimming on the Bay of Green Bay, uh, uh, like muskies, northerns, walleyes, just to give you an example how big of a, a whitefish they'll eat. Uh, a number of years ago, I was shooting a television show. I caught a 28-inch walleye, and we reached into the fish's mouth because I could see a forked tail sitting out of the walleye's mouth, <laughs> which is a whitefish. Mm-hmm. And we pulled out a 15-inch whitefish out of a 28-inch walleye. Wow. So, <laughs> so you know, they'll move out to that deep water because it's safe out there for okay. them because they can avoid a lot of these predators. And uh, But the whitefish swim everywhere and anywhere. Okay. I mean, they'll be up in the shallow as five feet of water. So what are you angling for? And has the fish, fishery changed from when you started 38 years ago to what it's like today? Well, you know, when I first started, Deborah, I targeted primarily perch. Hmm. This used to be an incredible, incredible perch fishery, one of the best fisheries in the Midwest. It still is today. But the perch population back in, when I started, in, you know, in the 80s and stuff like that uh, was just uh, off the books, off the charts. I mean, you were getting all these big perch. Um, and then I targeted brown trout a lot of times in the Sturgeon Bay Channel. And mm-hmm. then, it, you know, the brown trout would be in the bays um, as we moved into late ice mm-hmm. and uh, and then walleye. But now we've, we've switched gears. You know, the, the perch population, you know, disappeared there for a number of uh, decades, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I started switching and targeting more uh, walleye. I, I went away from the brown trout and actually was targeting northern pike. And uh, now the yellow perch are coming back a little bit, that we're seeing uh, nice-sized yellow perch again back here in the bay. I don't know if it's a strong enough population for me to actually pursue them hmm. uh, for diving. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I'm, you know, we're still really targeting whitefish now as our primary target. Um, you know, it's a great fish. It's part of the trout family. It's a unique fish. What makes it unique is they don't have a swim bladder. Uh, they don't, uh, they're, excuse me, they're one of the few fish that's actually able to decompress as you bring them up from depths. Hmm. For example, if you're at this elevation, Deborah, that we're located in, um, in the Midwest here, we've got about, um, we can go out to about 33 feet of water. Mm-hmm. After we get beyond 33 feet of water, um, any fish that will bring up from the bottom will blow their bladder out of their mouth and their eyes will pop out of their head hmm. because they can't take the pressure change. Wow. But a whitefish, what makes them unique is as you bring them up from any depth, you can bring them up for 150 feet, they're actually able to decompress as we bring them up, making them releasable. 
at any depth. So if you catch a smaller fish, you can release them to let them go to see another day. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so then, yeah. so what, what happened to the perch? Do you, do you know? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think a, a number of things happened. Um, I think there was now, and, and I'm just speculating. Okay. I don't, mm-hmm. I, but, but, but from what I understand and the best of my knowledge, um, they, they got a little bit of uh, pressure from, from over harvesting, mm. uh, just from the, the local angler, um, you know, from people coming up and just fishing the, the yellow perch. Cause it was such a big deal. I mean, on the lower Bay of green Bay, it was nothing to see, you know, four or 5,000 people out there on a weekend. Wow. And, um, you know, and, and up here in the Bay, you know, I mean, I used to see floating fertilas, you know, when I was, you know, younger, meaning it was nothing for me to see a hundred boats here, a hundred boats there, you know, 75 boats over there, all fishing yellow perch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then, you know, they, they were sought after by the commercial, uh, people as well. Uh, no disrespect to those guys by any means either. I mean, mm-hmm. they're doing their job and going out and, and pursuing a career mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, we had a change in water, uh, the water and stuff. And, and so it was just a combination of things. And I, and I, and the one thing I took away from that though, is understanding that, um, we have to protect our resources and look out for that as being a guide mm-hmm. and, uh, encourage people to practice catch and release or selective harvest. And I always kind of kid about it. What selective harvest is what it, what it doesn't mean is because the fish selected your lure, you're harvested. You know, what it does mean is using good judgment on understanding what to take home or what to not, not to take home uh, in order to protect the resource. Sure. You know, so that our future generations can continue to enjoy this, you know, uh, fishery that, uh, you know, God is creating. Okay. Now you've um, canceled the Whitefish Weekend this weekend. Is that correct? Okay. And so have you ever had to do that before? And why have you done that? Uh, no, we've never done this in the past. Uh, mm. Number one. Okay. And uh, why we did it is because, uh, out of the respect for the customer, number one is you know it, it's it was a possibility we could go, but we've got people coming in from you know other states, mm-hmm. and out of respect for them, we're not going to hold them uh, you know right up to the last minute when they're trying to. We are allowing them to make other plans and go about their regular routines uh, without disrupting them. Sure. You know, so that's something just, you know, we build up a really good rapport with a lot of our guests, Mm -hmm. uh, both here at the resort and the guide service. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but more importantly, I would say is because I just don't know the ice conditions right now on how good they're going to be. Mm. And I don't want to put people's uh, well-being uh, in harm's way. Um, so we thought it was best right now just to cancel to keep everybody safe. Okay. And you have been able to take some people out on the ice though this year yet. Yes. Okay. Yes. But right. it's been, uh, it's, it's without a doubt, um, one for the record books huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and not in a good way. <laughs> right. Right. Well, hopefully, yeah. uh, the remainder of the year, we're getting into some single digit highs. It sounds like over the next couple of days. So hopefully that will change. Does it take only a couple of days for, um, the ice to, to harden back up and close back up? Well, here's, here's, here's something you got to keep in mind right now. We just had a big snow move in. Yes. So even though it's going to get like super cold, the snow is a huge insulator. Mm, right. Okay. So even with these, you know, these sub zero weather that we've got coming in, is it going to help? Yes, but it's not going to do nearly enough 
um, uh, what, what it would have done if we wouldn't have got this snow. So um, it's 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 going to definitely help, but um, who knows? I, I mean, I, I will. I can tell you this: we will continue to stay relatively close to home the rest of the winter, rest assured, because hmm. I'm not venturing out uh, any further than I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, because I told, I always want to, I want to bring people out and I want to bring people back safely. That's my number one goal. I've always been that way and I will never look any different. And especially now after all the years of living here and witnessing what goes on um, and how quickly things change on the Bay of Green Bay, um, I'm just never going to be any different than other than just staying where I can keep people having fun and keep them safe. Okay. Well, Captain Dale Strohshine, uh, Wacky Walleye Guide Service in Dora County, thank you so much for talking to me today about this. Yeah, Deborah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. And thank you because, you know, this, uh, many of these things can be, can be over, can they, they're easily overlooked. And it, so much of this, um, you know, it's just a lack of understanding ice conditions. And, and thank you for what you do helping, uh, you know, the outdoorsmen, uh, the, the men and women that love to do outdoor recreation like this, uh, help them have a better experience, you know, because, um, you know, we've worked so diligently at guides always at helping educate the angler mm-hmm. on what to keep and what not to keep. But we also have to equally work just as hard as helping them all understand the importance of staying safe and understanding how ice works so that they can go out and have a you know better experience as well. So okay. thank you for allowing us to be here today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.